Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and Truth. The man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's the host of Stand Up For The Truth. Mike LeMay. Unashamed of the gospel and standing on the truth of God in the Bible. Good morning, Mike LeMay, David Fiorazzo, and we welcome you to another edition of Stand Up for the Truth. Jam packed show with a with a great guest and important issues today after we open in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the great gift of life. Thank you so much for the great gift of eternal life given to us freely by you through the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we thank you for providing us freedom from our sinful nature, the opportunity to be perfected by your grace, and to live eternally with you. Lord, help us to be passionate about your gospel and to be passionate about making disciples of Jesus Christ. And Lord, give us wisdom to answer the important, numerable questions that young people have about you. We lift this hour up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our topic today, a difficult conundrum for biblical Christians. Well, Christians are to be in the world, but not of the world. And we are commanded to love all people, even those who are blatant enemies of God. But we are also called to obey God and not men when those two are in contradiction. Later, we talk about Congress preparing to pass a national anti-discrimination law mandating that transgender individuals be given civil rights protections in hiring and services they can acquire from businesses. And this morning, we're going to look at a new survey that shows a majority of professing Christians agree with the proposal. So we'll talk about the social and spiritual issues connected with this pending legislation. But first, we look at the most popular questions college students have about God, life, and this world. And we're joined by Jane Pantig. She's the regional director for Ratio Christi Ministries in California and a chapter leader at UCLA and several other college campuses around the state of California. Jane, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for waking up early out there in California to, to, to join us. Jane, you sent me a list of, uh, you do a fascinating thing with your students in the California system. You just ask them to give you questions about anything that's on their mind. And boy, they come up with a whole list of questions every month, don't they? Oh, they sure do. I mean, this is, I guess, it's, at the beginning, like a lot of them, um, you kind of have to ask them what kind of deep questions you're asking. And sometimes they don't really think about deep questions. And as they sit with us, they're just like, oh, wait, I do have a question. So it's kind of like getting them to get there first is like the big, the biggest hurdle. But once they start, you know, those wheels start turning, then they, they come up with lots of great questions. Oh, praise God for that. I wanted to spend as much time as we had in our 25 minutes to go over some of these questions and 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 share with us how you respond to them. The first one is, uh, isn't it is it arrogant to say that Christianity is the only way? And uh, are you saying that all other religions are wrong? That's a very popular question, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It was really interesting. Uh, this, this question actually just was asked by us by a student uh, last Thursday. And so, it was interesting because we had our signs out on campus and we like to call it the deep questions club. And so this young man came up to, he's like, I've been meaning to talk to you guys. And we're like, really? He's like, he's like, you've heard of us. He's like, yeah, my club has, has been meaning to have contact with you guys to talk about certain events. And we're like, Oh, so that's cool. Then that means people have heard about us on campus. And so he was, um, um, he was an undergrad student and basically, uh, he we told him we were uh, a Christian organization, so uh, it was kind of like I, we were kind of scared he would have got turned off by it. And so he 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 stopped and he was like, "Wait, well, I need to go grab my lunch real quick." And we're like, "Oh, I wonder if he's going to come back." And so he comes back with his lunch, and we're like, "Oh yeah, he came back." So we were really happy about that. And so so he was kind of like, "I don't believe in God, and it's impossible to believe in God." And so he's like how can you say that Christianity is the only way and all the other ones are wrong? Isn't that arrogant? And we're like, we were just telling him just by the rules of logic that these religions end up contradicting each other. 
And, you know, one of them's going to show us which one is most closely uh, related in reality, which one is grounded in reality. And so um, he's like, so we were just kind of talking him through it. And by the end of it, uh, well, actually, Willie, he's been on the show. I think he was on last month. He was just kind of talking about the naturalistic worldview and poking holes in it because this kid said he was an atheist, but he was also spiritual, which that those things don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Willie was just poking holes in his worldview about naturalism. And then he was just like, well, you're, you're only saying these things because you believe in God. And Willie was just saying, well, I never mentioned one thing about God. I was just showing you all the things that are wrong with naturalism. And so the guy was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't mention God. And Willie's like, you only assume that I mentioned God because I told you I believed in God. And the kid was like, oh, yeah, that, okay. So he was kind of just like, okay, you got me there. And by the end of the conversation, he said, well, I guess all religions can be wrong or one can be right. And we were like, exactly, and that's why we think Christianity is right, because it just makes sense with how our world works. And so he came to the conclusion that either all of them are wrong or one of them are right, and so now who's arrogant now? (laughs) So so it was just kind of cool to walk him through that and to see that, yeah, one of these have to be right or all of them are going to be wrong. That's such an important conclusion for someone to come to, you know, because the the, the common uh, argument is, oh, there are so many religions or, or ways, right? They call them pathways to God, and some of them mm-hmm. think, you know, God, small g. Uh, there are many gods, right? But mm-hmm. to the to get them to uh, agree that well, well, they could all be wrong, but they mm-hmm. can't all be right. I like the fact that you guys are the Deep Questions Club. Um, I think there should be more of those across the country, uh, and I'm sure Rasha Christie has some of those. But um, when someone comes up and, and says, well, you guys are intolerant because you believe your way is the only way, do you ask them things like, well, have you examined the evidence of other religions or Christianity? Do you, how do you get them to question their statement they just made that, you know, you guys are intolerant because you say it's, it's an exclusive way, right? You say yours is the only way. Yeah, and so we just basically, yeah, we do ask them, like, what do you think all these religions teach? I mean, at one point, all of them are going to exclude another religion. And so, you know, if you really understand what they truly teach, not just the superficial things like, you know, love your neighbor or do good to other people, like when you really get to the core beliefs of them, uh, one's going to tell the other one is wrong or they're going to contradict each other and so you have to get to that point of logic where they're going to see it's like oh yeah well that can't be true and that can't can be you know like the law of non-contradiction again so so once you kind of because a lot of these kids once again like last time i told you they don't really learn logic in school and so you have to walk through those contradictions with them and so you know they'll slowly get there and then you know maybe a week later they'll come back and like i thought about that and yeah you're right those those can't go together <laughs> so it's just really giving them the the tools to think through what they're saying because I think most of the times they just think they hear things over and over again and then they repeat it without really thinking through what they're saying. Jane, I have to wonder. You said these young people are not learning log- logic uh, at mm-hmm. the college level. I have to wonder if this isn't somewhat intentional that we don't uh, want them to know how to think logically because then they're going to question the system they're being indo- and the worldview they're being indoctrinated yeah. into. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's whoever is creating the curriculum, I mean, they do hold a lot of power. And so I don't think these kids understand that they're, they're really missing out on some very foundational uh, education. I mean, uh, yeah, like I went to school in the 90s and I did not learn any logic (laughs) so yeah and it wasn't until grad school so I mean if you're not really looking to to be a logical person nobody in your education is going to really teach you nowadays I mean you come across a lot of kids and you ask them if they take an logic course and majority of them say no and I think the only people who actually really take logic courses are people in philosophy (laughs) probably Hmm. and you know not a lot of people take philosophy classes so that's interesting. You know, this is a this is an interesting question here. If, if if atheism is the most logical and scientific way to think, then why does religion exist? 
Oh, yeah. So I think there's just a whole bunch of assumptions there. So uh, you got to question their assumptions about what they mean about atheism. I think, yeah, because I guess na- like naturalism and atheism are probably the things that are just being taught in school. They think those are the only ways to think. Mm. And so it's really interesting because from an atheistic or a scientific uh, point of view, they would probably say that, you know, people use religion as a crutch because maybe survival of the fittest has led them that way. So, I mean, they even science. Well, not really scientific, but I guess maybe from the world view of a, a atheist, they would explain it away as like, uh, is your brain chemistry just wants to believe in these religions, religious things? So even like an atheistic worldview would have a reason why religion does exist today. So um, I don't see why people have a problem with that as atheists. It's just kind of like, that's what your brain chemistry wants you to believe. So, Hey, Jane, you mentioned uh, uh, evolution, Darwin's survival of the fittest. And Mm -hmm. uh, here's maybe a contradiction I think a lot of young people must be wrestling with these days. So, yes, uh, evolution says survival of the fittest, the strongest survive, the weakest die. Yet these people are all about compassion for those who who are downtrodden. And this has got to be something that internally they just must really struggle with. Yeah, I mean, like people want we people want human rights for people, and there is no way in a Darwinian evolution worldview that you can have human rights for everybody where everybody's equally valuable because it is survival of fittest. You got to do what you got to do to pass down your genes, and so I think when kids um, hear that, they're they're like, wait a minute, yeah, how how does that work out? So, and then they just want to say altruism or something like that. And so they don't really realize the implications of a Darwinian worldview where actually you don't really matter that much. Hmm. That must be hard for this generation. I mean, uh, just to think with the narcissism and what we think of ourselves as general, generally as Americans that, you know, we, we don't matter that much to have that kind of worldview where we're insignificant. Mm-hmm. That must be challenging. But I'm looking at this question on your list, Jane, mm-hmm. um, I want to know if you get honest responses, and what are they, Mm -hmm. to the question, what would make you change your worldview? Yeah, um, I think, let me think about that one again. Uh, That's like if we were to say, hey, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? You know exactly where someone would stand if they say, well, no, because they, they, they've been taught certain things, lies about yeah. Christianity. Mm-hmm. They think yeah. it's bad. We're evil and whatever. Yeah. God is a big evil God or whatever. Um, so if they say no, then then I guess the yeah, conversation you know, can go anywhere. There, is, there isn't really a chance there. Yeah, we actually used to do surveys on campus and basically would ask what their you know spiritual or religious background is. And so most people would probably have a agnostic maybe or a mix of some religions, which is really interesting because they like to pick and choose what they believe is true about each one. Mm. And so at the bottom of it, we one of the questions said, if there is evidence for for Christianity, and it is true, would you consider it? And you know the people who are closed off are the ones who are going to say no. <laughs> so it's just like, well, that conversation is pretty much over because you've already made up your mind. Mm. So um, they're not being logical with, you know, how, like with evidence. Because a lot of people are like, oh, why don't you give me evidence for Christianity? And you give them the evidence, and then they still don't want to believe in it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a heart issue for, for most people. No doubt. You know, Jane, some of these questions just really, really break my heart. And this mm-hmm. one, it says, what if the point of life is to come to terms with pointlessness and create your own meaning for existence? That just sounds like a tortured soul crying out for some sort of meaning to me. Yeah, we were actually talking about this last week with students, and we asked students, like, do you really think the people who say there's no meaning in in life really mean it <laughs> and so uh, the students were like I don't most like there was a few students sitting there just like I think they want to believe there's no meaning in life but they actually live like there is meaning to life because I mean why are we at school why do we do the things that we do if we really don't think there's meaning in the end and so we kind of take that question to the, the, the extreme end of it it's like well if there's no meaning to life um, you know, nihilis- nihilistic thinking, like, well, 
there's no point to life, so you might as just kill yourself. And the students just were like, whoa, yeah, that, that, that's a bit scary. <laughs> because if there's no meaning in life, why do you need to continue to live? And it comes back to our, our self-image. What, who do we identify with? If we identify with uh, dirt in the ground or a tree or that we are no more significant than nature, mm-hmm. that must really affect the self-image of, of people, not just college-aged mm-hmm. uh, young people, but uh, if you're a person that just believe, I mean, you, you can't have any meaning then. What is your purpose in life? And that mm-hmm. that must uh, lead a lot of people to drugs and to um, depression oh, and, yeah. and a lot of yeah. other things. Yeah, we, uh, we meet some kids who are very open about their drug use. <laughs> and it's really interesting how they trust us. I guess there's just something about us that they think they could tell us these things and so uh, you know one kid was saying you know uh, I I take I went to this you know I, I'm not sure what they're called but they're kind of like I don't know if it's a rave or some kind of thing in the wilderness and you like take drugs and they feel like they've went into another dimension mm-hmm. and they found something new about themselves and so I think they're trying to find meaning in their lives but they're just going to the wrong places and using drugs to like get there. And so a lot of kids want to be, they call it trips, like, you know, drug trips. And so they kind of just lost touch with reality and went into this whole new like realm of spirituality. And so I think it's interesting because the two kids that actually tell us about doing these drugs are claiming to believe they're, they don't believe in God, but they want to have some kind of spirituality. So they're not seeing the disconnect there. So, But they are looking for something outside of themselves. Indeed. Jane, some of these questions I think are great questions for us as Bible-believing Christians to ponder. And here's one. Is intelligence more important than emotional understanding, and which is more practical? Oh, is that the one about, let me think. Is it, can you say that one more time? Yeah, is intelligence more important than emotional understanding, and which is more practical? Oh, I think, yeah, I think that, you know, in logic, it's called a false dichotomy. It's like people are trying to make you choose between one or the other mm-hmm. when it could actually be both. Mm. Um, and so I think when you go to school, everybody is taught to be intelligent, and I, I guess maybe being emotional is something that could be seen as weak. And so I, I don't think being emotional is weak. I mean, we are emotional beings and we God has given us these emotions for the capacity of like love or compassion. And so I, I think if you really break down that question with them, asking them, what do you really mean by intelligence and, emo- and, emo- and emotions, um, they would probably realize that it doesn't have to be either or. I mean, you could be an intelligent person and still have emotions. And so I think that question is kind of interesting. I think they, they want to be more practical in the sense of maybe um, reaching their goals. And because they're in school, you know, they want to graduate, get a good job, make lots of money. I think, I think they see intelligence is how you get there. Um, and so I guess they're trying to figure out, oh, what am I supposed to do? Am I just supposed to be an intelligent being without emotions? And so I don't, I think it's it's something that's just deeper in them um, that they're trying to figure out. And, you know, if you really talk to a lot of college students on campus, they, they, they really, they, they are emotional beings because they, they want passion for people who, you know, are marginalized or they want human rights for everybody. And so I think that has to deal a lot with more of people's emotions too. So, yeah, I don't think it's either or. I think it's it's both. And Jane, I think of I think of Romans ten nine. If you mm-hmm. confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the Bible's mm-hmm. definition of the word heart is that center of emotion in us. So mm-hmm. I think even with Christians, I run into Christians that can recite the word of God, but mm-hmm. it, it I don't sense any emotion or any any real emotion toward God, I just, I, I sense an intellectual ascent, yeah, but a lack yeah, of an yeah. emotional ascent. 
kind of just like the head knowledge and you can memorize all this, but it hasn't really ch- uh, changed you in a transformative way where it's like all of you, your whole being. Yeah. What, Jane, um, when it comes to government, what do a lot of young people, because we just hear what studies and surveys, you know, are telling us and we don't want to assume, and you're right there on college campuses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there general take on government as kind of like God as provider as um, our rights come from government, not God? Yeah, I think yeah. So that it leans that way. A lot of kids think the the government's going to solve all their problems. And yeah, one kid was basically saying like, "What can I do to change the government so that m- the most people are the most happy?" And so yeah, they're actually looking to God to solve all all their problems, whether it's poverty or, you know, their human rights, equality. And so, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. A lot you mean of government, people, right? Yeah, the government. Yeah, yeah, they look to the government as pretty much, I guess you could say, savior. So where do you direct that conversation? Um, or how do you so, do that? <laughs> yeah, it, it gets interesting. So we just, you know, we got to ask lots of good questions to really get to the bottom of it. Like, we don't want to assume what they think of, you know, where they are politically. Um, and so you just got to just crack, crack the question and be like, what do you mean by that? How do you come to that conclusion? And what can we do about this? Um, because a lot of there's a lot of activism on campus and lots of students want these petition signs, like whether it's like climate change or uh, quality for, uh, you know, um, certain sexual identities and so um yeah just really asking them like well what do you think how does the government really help people because you know the government cannot solve all your problems no jane i'll tell you what in the couple of years that we've talked with you and other people of rosho Christie, i have just come uh, to appreciate so much uh, how you take the gospel seriously mm-hmm. and how you really model Jesus. Jesus mm-hmm. asked a lot more questions than he did made statements, and uh, mm-hmm. I just appreciate all of the the work and and you you really show a caring, loving heart for the souls of these young people. Yeah, I used to be a college student who didn't know the Lord. I mean, I grew up in religion, but didn't have a relationship with Christ, and I could. I could see the struggles that college students have. And I mean, Jesus Christ is really the answer to all the hopelessness. And so I just hope that as we go through these questions with them, that we can give them the true hope. Indeed. Jane, uh, how can people connect with you and Rosho Christie and support your excellent work? Um, you guys email me at jane.pantig at rashochristie.org. And I'm on the website, so if you just type my name into the search engine of our website, you could find me there. And spe- we spell Pantig, P-A-N-T-I-G, Jane Pantig at rashochristie.org. Jane, I always enjoy our time together. I, I look forward to uh, doing it again real soon. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you, and God bless you. Jane Pantic, Rosho Christie Ministries. We'll put a link in on our podcast today. When we come back, a, an increasingly difficult conundrum for biblical Christians. You're hearing Stand Up For The Truth. Got a comment or question? Text the keyword Speak Up to 90100. That's Speak Up to 90100. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. The uh, move to give equal rights uh, in all areas of life to LGBTQ people uh, has picked up a lot of steam over the past five years, and it's not going anywhere and uh, we're going to cover a news story here today and I, I really want to just slow down and take some time and, and talk about this push to grant uh, people who are confused about their gender to really elevate that confusion to a civil right uh, and I'm going to start off here with an article that came from the Christian Post that says most evangelicals favor LGBT non-discrimination protections, Uh, 79% of Democrats and 70% of independents said they favor legislation that would protect gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people from discrimination. And also a majority of Republicans, 56%, say they favor these laws also. So the nation, from a public opinion point, just like it did with abortion, throughout the 70s and then homosexual marriage after uh, Obergefell versus Hodges, 
the American people's views are lining up with what the Supreme Court has dictated is right or wrong. Um, Now, evangelical leaders have long called for religious freedom exemptions for Christian institutions and business owners that hold a traditional Christian belief on sexuality and gender. And that's what we're going to talk about here uh, over the next several minutes is, are these mutually exclusive? Uh, Can we have equal rights and non-discrimination protection for LGBTQ people? without infringing upon our constitutionally protected uh, rights of religious expression, worship, and freedom. And here's a quote um, from uh, Greg Baylor, uh, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. All Americans should be treated with dignity and respect, and our laws should protect the freedoms of speech, religion, and conscience of every citizen, no matter who they are. Amen. Unfortunately, the polling... uh, presented here fails to accurately portray the views of conservative evangelicals and fails to reveal the implications of so-called non-discrimination laws. And let's just pause there for a minute, Dave, uh, David. And, you know, oftentimes we respond to polling and the question being asked is not a real comprehensive question. So in this case, uh, 80% of Democrats, 70% of independents, and 56% of Republicans Say, hey, I, I don't think we should discriminate against LGBTQ people. I get that. They're human beings. Uh, even though they are living a lifestyle that contradicts what God teaches in the Bible, they're due respect because they're created in God's image. But when you, if you were to line up a second question, perhaps, and say, do you still agree with it if it would destroy your freedom of religious conscience and belief? It would be interesting to see where those poll numbers were. So they kind of ask the questions in a vacuum. Yeah, and I some of these polls, I think, first of all, you've got to define what they consider evangelical. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that is probably not accurate. They didn't ask me. They didn't ask you. And we would probably be born again, maybe fall under the evangelical or Protestant uh, label. Um, but this whole religious freedom idea is is – it's getting ready to just crash into these non-discrimination laws or, or vice versa. But let me ask you this. Okay, yeah. you're a born-again believer. We'll classify ourselves as evangelicals. evangelical. Protestant. Let me ask you a survey question. Do you believe LGBTQ people should be treated as second-class citizens? Absolutely not. Okay. So, so uh, nor do I. Nor there's do I. no Christian I know, either from my church, from our community, someone I've met in the past, someone I used to be out in California, here in the Midwest, the, on my Facebook, my friends. Well, maybe there are a few, very few, but I've got like thousands of people on there. But there are, are extremely few people who would ever think that it's okay to discriminate discriminate against anybody for any reason so this this whole thing is just uh, come on really of course people are going to say yeah we don't want discrimination but let's let's define discrimination you know we are allowed to discriminate you know the word discern in the bible it's root is to discriminate it's to look at information and make a correct assessment so we discriminate every day right but in the modern understanding of it in our culture right it's always to do with sin or a sexual you know, behavior. That, oh, we're discriminating against that. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my point being, we, we discriminate every day. I bought a Honda instead of a Chevy because I thought a Honda was going to be a better value for me over the long haul. You're uh, an anti-Chevite. I'm an anti-Chevite. <laughs> uh, you bought, you've got a Toyota. You you bought a Toyota a few years ago. You discriminated against the other I'm an, an, I'm an anti-Fordite. You're an anti-Fordite. So I, I, I think, again, we, and you're so right, we need to take a step back here and, and understand there are, even in our Constitution, there's legal discrimination. If you're in jail for a felony, you don't get to vote. You can't own a gun. So there's legal and illegal discrimination. There's moral and immoral discrimination. And where this thing is coming to collide here, uh, we have a world and young people that are overwhelmingly say, saying you shouldn't discriminate anything to do ever with sexual sexuality or gender you've got a church over here a christian church that says these behaviors are anti-biblical these 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 people sadly if they don't repent of their belief system and their way of life 
will face eternity in hell. So we cannot allow this to become a culturally accepted view of the church. Now, some have. Some have crossed the line and said, we don't care if you're gay or, or transgender, you know, be a part. So the church historically has been allowed to discriminate. We here as a religious organization, we can legally discriminate based on uh, uh, if a person is Christian or not. Do they adhere to a biblical worldview or a secular worldview? Now, in so you've got the church on one end, David, and you've got the world on the other end. Here's the people who are caught in the vice, Christian business owners like Jack Phillips. You know, so I mean, here's Jack Phillips. He's, he's not a... He's not protected by the law, at least some people would say, hey, you're a business owner, you've got no no protection here, so therefore you have to bake that cake, or you have to do this, or you have to do that, and you can't discriminate. But people like Jack Phillips are going, yeah, but my conscience is telling me this is a bad thing, and I can't put my name on this piece of art I'm doing. And this is really where the battle is going right now, is can we take individual business owners and people like that and do the LGBTQ rights override their right of religious conscience and expression? And that's really the, the battleground here. Now, here's the thing. I think this is a good discussion for us to have as Americans. I really do. I, I, I think it's a good discussion for us to have. And if the LGBTQ would just stop there, that would be one thing. But they won't. And they're not stopping there. And so every time we acquiesce, and give them a little more ground or, or seed something to them, they look at the next mountain to, to uh, conquer. Look here in De Pere. De Pere passed an anti-discrimination ordinance. They, they lied about it. They, they said in open hearing, we have no intention of imposing this on churches and religious organizations. Well, we filed suit in Brown County Court, and their attorney admitted in court we have every intention of imposing this on churches and religious organizations. And that's when Judge Atkinson said, dismissed. You can't do it. So, But most people would either don't know that or don't think. They always want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Oh, they, they would never impose their uh, sexual ideology on churches and on people but, who be- don't believe in But again, that, that's what the city, of De Pere, city council did. The, the yeah, proponents of this lied. Yeah, I, know. I mean, they, they openly lied and said, we have no intention. But then in court, their attorney admitted, no, no, we think churches and, and you know need to adhere to this also. So we the conundrum I see that we have as Christians is, is kind of simply put this way. We are commanded as disciples of Jesus Christ to love all people even those opposed to God and his word. We are to love all men, even our enemies. But we're also called to stand in the truth of God's word and oppose the sinful ways of this world. Now, words and actions should point people to the gospel and their only hope, Jesus Christ. That's a hard balance to strike. It's almost like, I'm going to use the word enemy, and I mean spiritual enemies here. It's almost like being challenged to a duel by an enemy and they just keep switching weapons and tactics. Hmm. So we're in this arena. We're not quite sure of the rules. And, and if the moment we concede something to them, they're never satisfied and they're going to move on. So it's a real conundrum here. Uh, Jack Phillips, and I've said this on air, if, if I were Jack Phillips, I don't know if I had to bake the cake or not. I, I would have prayed about it and said, okay, God, and I think here's the question we have to ask ourselves, how do I best bring glory to your name? Do, do, I, do I calmly say, I'm sorry, I cannot do that because of my principles and beliefs? Or do I bake the cake and share the gospel with them? I don't know. And, and so your business owners out there are going to be facing quite a conundrum here. For now, we on the religious side of the spectrum, ministries and churches, we still have the protection of the Constitution, although I would argue that's on, on, on very thin ice to begin with. But as, as people in the community... Who do we hire? Who do we not hire? Who do we serve? Who do we not serve? So in a way, I'm glad this is coming to a head. In a weird way, I'm, I, I kind of hope the Democrats push this through Congress, get it to the Supreme Court. Problem is with the Supreme Court, with Jack Phillips, as we've documented on the show, their decision was really a non-decision. It, it, they had a chance once and for all to say, okay, which is more important, LGBTQ rights religious freedom and conscience and they kind of did a Pontius Pilate thing and washed their hands of it and just kind of 
you know, be, because they they cared more about unity on the court than they did about making a tough decision. Inevitably, I hope they have to make this decision because I don't know how LGBTQ rights and religious freedom and conscience and practice, I don't know how you reconcile those two. I, I don't know if they are reconcilable. So um, it, it's it's interesting. It, it's an interesting fight we're seeing. Uh, again, it, it would be one thing because we are called to love these people, whether they are enemies of God or, or brothers and sisters in Christ. Nothing changes. We are to love them. Um, but they're not going to stop until churches get on board, until radio stations get on board, until churches are punished. And that's exactly what DePere tried to do, punish churches for putting anything on their website or speaking about anything that opposes the LGBTQ lifestyle. So we're, we're facing a spiritual enemy who, if we try to compromise or reach common ground with them, they're just on to the next battle. And, and somewhere along the line, David, we need to draw a line in the sand. And this is what I'm, and, and I'm, I'm asking you to bear with me as listeners because I'm trying to process this in my own mind. We, we are to be light and salt of the world, no doubt. But we're also told, you know what? You got to obey your governing authorities. Paul was very clear about that in Rome. Hey, Rome passes the law. You got to obey it. However, you don't obey a law of Rome if it contradicts the law of God. Isn't that where we are? Yeah, I think, we, I think we're rapidly getting there. Well, here's the problem. Um, issues of sexual freedom rights have collided with issues of religious freedom. Yeah. This new religion of sex is being pushed. You don't think it's a religion? In public schools, just this story came out yesterday. A, a young student in Ohio uh, went into her hallway, and it's been all the hallways were decorated with LGBTQ rainbow flags. All she did was put up some Bible verses on lockers on the hall. She put up Bible verses, and she was suspended. Yeah. So it's got you got one religion, the, re, the, the religious freedom battle, the re, freedom of religious expression, which has been taken out of the schools anyway, and you got the sexual freedom battle, and that trumps it all. Do you not think, I, I like your point about if, if some things, should we obey the law as Christians? What if they, the Supreme Court suddenly decided that pedophilia is okay, it's legal? 10, 15 years from now, you'd have Christians in the church saying, well, yeah, I see no problem with pedophilia. What about rape? What if the Supreme Court said, well, you know, we, we've been putting so much, I'm just hypothetical, I'm put, sure. putting so much focus on women's rights. Well, men's, men, men have rights too. They have, they have to l- let out their sexual frustration. So rape should be okay. You know, it's not their fault. They're, they have sexual you know, uh, uh, you know, desires. They should be able to act on them. So let's say the Supreme Court, you know, 20 years from now legalizes rape. And then 10 years after that, the church will be going, well, yeah, rape is, you know, it's, it's legal to the law of the land. So I'm doing this, I'm going, making a point here. We're going back to 1973 when we legalized the murder of the unborn in a mother's womb. Now half the church says it's okay. Yeah. Now we, a couple, five, four years, five years ago, we legalized same-sex marriage. All they said for the last 40 years for 30 years before that, they said, we just want to live and let live. We just want to have the same rights and get married. But as you just pointed out, and we've proved through the DePierre Ordinance, through other cases that they're suing Christian business owners, bed and breakfast photographers, florists, and everybody else, it's not true that they only want to live and let live. So these worldviews are colliding. Sexual freedom rights, and that's what is being pushed. And all we can do as Christians is decide our conscience before God and what we know from the Word of God, what does it teach? Because, yes, it says obey the laws of the land, but if those laws justify sin and immorality, should you continue to obey the laws, whether you're a a nonprofit, whether you're a Christian business owner, or whether you're a mother or father that has a child in the anti-Christian hostile public schools that are suspending kids for talking about Jesus or, or handing out Valentines saying John C. 316, or as in this student's case a couple days ago, just trying to say, hey, the rainbow flags are up. Everybody wants to join an LGBTQ club. I want to just put some put a Bible verse up, and she's suspended. This is what America has become. I'm getting too passionate here. <laughs> 
I'm done. But I, I, I think you, you framed it up very well. You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth on Q90FM. More on this discussion when we come back. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Dave and I are talking about a recent poll that says uh, evangelicals, most evangelicals favor LGBT non-discrimination protections. Uh, and also in this article, and we covered this a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago, actually, that the, uh, uh, the National Association of Evangelicals has come out and said, no, we support these laws too, and and it, it's interesting. And David and I were talking. Did you say the National Association of Evangelifish? Well, I'll, I'll give them their due. National Association of Evangelicals, but <laughs> but you know we're we're talking about. So where do we draw this line? Uh, you know, again, we are to love all people. We we should treat them with some level of respect. They are made in God's image. James is very clear about that. That you know we with the same mouth. We worship God, and then we blaspheme people made in his image. So there's no what, – here's what I do know. There should be no place in our heart as Christians for hatred of these people. None. They are blind. I was talking with a guy yesterday, a good friend of mine, who coordinates the local National Day of Prayer. And I said, you know, in a way, when we fight these people, we're, we're picking a fight with a blind man. They don't know any better. They, they think they're right. So we're, we're out there, hey, we'll show you, and we're fighting a blind man. <laughs> I mean, seriously, uh, they, they don't have the Holy Spirit. They, they, have, they are in the process of rejecting the truth of God. You know, so, I mean, it's not a fair fight. So, on the one hand, we don't belittle them. We don't hate them. We don't, we don't treat them meanly. But on the other hand, how do we love them without condoning their behavior? Because when we condone their behavior, and if we get to a point where we go, well, God doesn't care, which more and more churches are coming out in denominations saying, are we not causing these people to stumble and end up in hell by our cowardice or by our our lack of being able to be full of truth and grace. So in society, we have this battle going on now. It affects Christians in the marketplace. Can you or can you not legally discriminate against who you hire, who you grant housing to, who you bake cakes for, who you repair mufflers for, whatever? Um, The odds are overwhelming that this legislation will be passed and probably approved by the Supreme Court. So step one is, in culture, we have to obey Caesar. That's what's going to be imposed. Now the battle line is going to shift to the church. And as we've seen in De Pere and as we've seen in other situations, uh, this lobby is not going to be happy with just live and let live, as you said, David. It's going to be, you got to stop teaching this stuff. And, and uh, you know, when you look at many of the denominations of professing Christianity that have already given in and have written statements of faith and things like this, basically saying, you know what, uh, God maybe made you homosexual. Maybe he made you transgender. You know, God you know, God doesn't make mistakes, so therefore this must be right. When we allow that to creep into the church, we got a real problem. So we've got this enemy, Satan, who has all of these institutions of the world at his beck and call, and they're going to start pounding on the church door. We already have people in the church, professing Christians, that have sold out. And so it's it, I, I sad to say this, but I think in many ways when the Supreme Court, and it will happen, says basically churches, you get a government benefit called a 501c3, you're tax exempt. You're getting a government benefit. And the government says you cannot discriminate against who attends your services, who you ordain, what services you provide for them. So pick and choose right now. Do you want to be basically a state-sponsored Christian church, or do you want to lose all of these uh, benefits that you're getting? It's going to happen. Mm. And I hope I'm wrong, but I, I my best guess is 80% of the churches will figure out a way to justify bowing knee to Caesar instead of bowing knee to God. Well, I think... Uh, the fact that so many have not been speaking about some of these controversial issues, and when I say that, I mean biblical issues, because God speaks about this in his word, starting with creation, right, male and female, and then Jesus defines marriage. God did that when you know, man shall leave his father and his mother and the two, and, and he will unite with his wife, they'll become one flesh, and uh, these things have been decided and, and defined in the word of God, but our culture has now redefined some of these truths. A culture has, but when the church starts giving into them, as you said, 
that's when we get into big trouble. We can't expect the world to think biblically or to think no. uh, morally. Uh, in fact, they lie. They lie about certain things. They lie to get their way. What's wrong with that? They don't yeah. believe in God. They don't go by the Ten Commandments. They don't believe in biblical morality. They're not Christians. They don't claim to be. They can lie however often they want to lie. You know, we look at that and go, hey, they lied. And their, their reaction would be, so? <laughs> you know, I got my bill passed. Yeah. Well, and, and to them, some of them are so wicked and perverse in their thought process, they don't even think they're lying. You That's know, true, I mean, yeah. We're, we're going to cover this on Monday, but this there's a senator from Oregon who voted for the abortion bill. You know, he, remember the Republicans tried to pass a law that basically said, hey, sanctity of life, that baby survives the abortion. You got to let it live. This guy voted against it. So he basically voted for infanticide. Mm-hmm. You know what he's presented to Congress? He said, you know what? We're using cats in medical experiments and then we're putting them to sleep afterwards. We got we to gotta pass a law that makes that illegal. So the life of a cat has now been elevated above the life of a baby. I kid you not. Well, no, well, Oregon, I can believe that. Yeah, but no, but he's a U.S. senator. Well, of course. And he said, basically, we got to do something because we're, we're, we're killing cats. Now, I don't think we should go out there and mercilessly slaughter cats. I had to put a cat to sleep last week, and that cat was my buddy. Mm. And it was painful because she was in such pain and was blind and couldn't walk. And she got to, had to be put to sleep in my lap, and it was very painful. That that. Pet was like, almost like a child to me in a way. It was just, it was my buddy. But so I, I don't think we should go out there and shooting cats and, and, and doing this type of stuff. But when a society elevates the life of a cat above the life of a baby, I mean, what are we dealing with here? Mike Lindell, MyPillow.com. He spoke at CPAC earlier uh, this week, or was it, it might have been last week, la- end of last week. And he said, you've got a party, <laughs> meaning the Democrats, who are saving minnows in California and killing babies in New York. Yeah. So what's wrong with this picture? Are yeah. you kidding me? This it, People are pointing this out. It's an, an obvious contrast here. You've got a party that's defending fish, uh, cats. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't think about what the uh, Born Alive Infant Protection Act. I'm not, I don't know what the new one was called, but that's what really, really what they're doing. If a baby survives an abortion and they are born and they are a living human being, a living baby outside the womb, the Democrats voted that you are to let it die. It's crying, it's in pain, but you are to let it die on its own without giving any any care. Yeah. So they're willing to do that, but yet they're trying to pass these bills to protect uh, turtle eggs and, and, and cats, which I believe you should protect animal life, but they wouldn't, what they're doing to allowing to babies, they wouldn't allow that for a puppy or a kitten or a fish. I made this point recently, and it is sad. We just look at that and go, oh. and I think part of it, Mike, I think in general, I'm not speaking for the Christian church, but I think people, it's so, it's evil, and it's blatant, and you don't want to look at it. It's almost like you want to be in denial. It's easier to say, you know, I can't believe part of mankind, my human being, friends, you know, humanity is... Thinking this way, or a portion of people in America that are thinking this way and justifying this evil, they don't want to look at it. So I understand that. I understand that Christian parents don't want to look at what's the curriculum that the NEA is passing down from from the government and what's being pushed into public schools and the ideologies that are so. Yeah, anything goes really when it comes to religions. You know, witch, Wicca, witchcraft, uh, Islam, promoting all these other things, the LGBTQ, the sexual freedom. But Christianity, no way. Keep the keep the Bible, prayer, Jesus, and the Ten Commandments out of here. Yeah, and, and so we don't want to look at that, but we have to. Yeah, you know, it, it it's such an interesting conundrum to me because you look at the Bible, David, and and Jesus, and Paul, and Peter said things are going to get really, really bad just before the Lord returns. I mean, good is going to be seen as evil. The love of many grow cold. The world gets more and more evil. We as a church, and I define church as the Bible defines it, a called out set of believers. It ain't your building you go to on Sunday. You are part of the church. We are called to be unique, holy, and set apart from this world. So we, in our minds, we have this wall separating the evil culture and what we are to be as Christians. But that evil culture is it's going to beat down that wall, that wall that our Constitution put up, the one-way wall where government shall not impose on religion. 
we're one bad Supreme Court decision away from that wall being broken down. And then the heart of every true Christian, every pastor, every member of what we call church is going to be tested. Are we going to bow, bend a knee to Caesar, or are we going to worship God? Peter was called before the Sanhedrin and basically said, stop teaching about Jesus. He said, I can't. I must worship God, not men. That's the uh, challenge we're going to see in American Christianity. And I'm not real optimistic that most denominations or churches will ever draw that line in the sand because it seems we've, we, we really don't understand how to love people anymore. Uh, we look at love as tolerating and accepting belief instead of loving the person and, and pointing out how their belief system, their values, their life is storing up God's wrath against them. So we, we seem to love comfort with the world more than we love the gospel. If the Bible calls something sin, evil, or wicked, a behavior, a person doing a certain thing, accommodating that is not loving. No. Especially no. when that has eternal consequences, not telling the truth. There's an old mantra in Christianity, uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah, we're not doing a very good job of that either. We, we, I don't know, we either hate the sin and the sinner or we love the sin and the sinner. But we, we are to love people, but we are to hate any action or belief system they have that is going to separate them from God for eternity. So thank you, uh, Taya. Uh, interesting things to watch over the next several months and years. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show and tell you about tomorrow. Have a question for Mike? Email him anytime at comments at standupforthetruth.com. We'll wrap up Stand Up For The Truth in a moment. Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at standupforthetruth.com slash donate. Now, here's Mike LeMay. A reminder, our 6th Annual Watchman Conference scheduled for Friday evening, April 19th and all day Saturday the 20th is at the Word of the Barn Fellowship in Swamico, about 10 minutes north of Green Bay. No fee to attend, but you must register. Uh, Elijah Abraham, Jay Siegert, and Dave Wager. And our, our topic really is preparing for growing deception and coming persecution. Uh, you can register by emailing me, Mike, at q90fm.com. Uh, the Friday session runs from 6 to 9 p.m. Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, registration is required. Uh, so if you want more information or you want to register, please email me at mike at q90fm.com. Hope to see you there. So where do we draw the line in the sand as Christians? And how do we truly hate the sin but love the sinner? We've got to have a real, real hard discussion about that because the enemy is at the gates whether we wish it or not. And he will not stop at trying to take over the church. For David Firazzo, Mike LeMay standing up for the truth. Be bold, be strong, and always unashamed of the gospel because the Lord your God is always with you.